Well, this is another episode of the Friends Summit podcast, getting just trying to get some information out about Friends Summit and uh, hopefully get some interest peaked. And if you're on the fence about, I don't know if I should go to this or not, um, hopefully these conversations can help you make a decision towards going to the conference (laughs) and not in the other way. But yeah, so this is our second one and we're chatting with uh, Josh Bunce. He is newly the pastor at Friendswood Friends Church, which will be down in that area where we'll be going for Friends Summit in the Houston area. So um, he's going to be there as a local pastor and doing some stuff at Summit. And so um, we'll have him introduce himself and a little bit of what his history is with Summit. And then Katie's going to have him share some more about what he's doing there. But Josh, would you just introduce yourself? Uh, I guess, you know, as much as you want to go into yourself, your history with the Friends Church and your history with Friends Summit. Uh, well, I, I grew up uh, next door to a Friends Church and uh, that became kind of my, my home place. And then uh, did all kinds of Friends Church ministries as a kid and then went to multiple uh, Friends uh, higher education. I went to Barclay College. I went to Friends University. I went to George Fox, um, and uh, I taught at uh, Barclay College uh, until just recently. I taught there for 14 years. I was I, when I left there to come here just uh, a few months ago. Um, I was the chair of Bible and theology at at the uh, at Barclay College. Uh, my history was Summit, so. Uh, before Summit, there was something called Youthquake uh, when I was in senior in high school. And in 1997, uh, I went to uh, Youthquake in North Carolina. And uh, uh, my only experience with uh, Summit Summit is uh, the last time Summit was in Colorado. Um, I went, I took some Barclay students and I, I taught a workshop, um, participated in some groups. I'm not I don't really remember uh, what the workshop was that I taught on, and that doesn't really uh, ring a bell, but I do remember uh, it was a little bit like a reunion for me. I got to see people that were friends from all over the place, former students, people like Jacob Newton, uh, who were former students of mine and all over the place. So it was a pretty special uh, gathering, I would say. So at this summit, we're going to do something a little different. We haven't done previous summits, um, and Josh is going to help us with this, but we are going to take some time uh, specifically as a body um, to break up into smaller groups and to study some um, pieces of scripture together. And we're going to do that in a a way called an inductive Bible study. And Josh, you're going to kind of help guide us through that our first night on how how we're going to do that. Can you explain a little bit of what an inductive Bible study is and maybe give us an idea of what that experience might be like when we're together? Yeah, the first part's easier for me than the second part. Uh, the, the inductive Bible study is just one of, you know, thousands of ways to, to study scripture. I do think it's a really good way to study scripture. It's designed mostly to help people slow down a little bit um, to... Uh, kind of make observations to really see uh, the passage that you're studying in pieces 
So like a little bit of deconstruct in order to kind of reconstruct. I think uh, another helpful part of it is um, that it keeps, it's supposed to to kind of help you to to not read the Bible to make it say what you want it to say, but to more slow down enough that you actually can really uh, observe what it's actually saying. We call that like eisegesis. So to kind of uh, keep you from, from doing that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a great tool. Uh, I've taught inductive Bible study in many places and in many settings, uh, individually, uh, corporately. I think, uh, Probably the biggest group that I've ever led through maybe learning the process is a group of maybe 30 to 40. <laughs> so uh, what this looks like in a, a much, much larger group than that, uh, I think I'm going to have to figure out. So uh, I'm excited about what that could look like uh, to see that process, but uh, it'll be new for me to, to teach uh, that large of a group uh, this process for sure. Yeah, we're all going to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> figure out how to break everybody up and to have leaders that yeah. know what's going on. So this is going to be an experiment. Um, but with the three to 400 people that are there, we're going to yeah. you know, jump in together and see how it goes. Yeah. So, um, we're going to spend some time in the book of Ephesians while we're together. Okay. And um, uh, we're we're going to throw out some nuggets of stuff for people to, to really jump into the book ahead of time. Um, and kind of a preparatory way to get ready for a time together, but kind of as an overview, what's what would you have to say about the book of Ephesians as we get ready to jump into that together? Yeah, uh, Ephesians is a wonderful book. Uh, some people might uh, call it the crown jewel of, of uh, all of Paul's uh, writing. Um, Let's see, Ephesians, uh, traditionally, there's some debate on on some of this kind of stuff, but traditionally, we would say that it's a letter written by Paul later on in his life. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. Um, there's, it's also what we call like a circular letter, which means it's not like, which means the application is broader than maybe some of his other letters. So it wouldn't be as precise that he's talking to this church about this specific thing. Um some major themes in Ephesus. Paul is often dealing with just helping people get along. Uh, there seems to be a lot of fighting, and in his particular context, that's a lot of cultural fighting between Gentiles and Jews. Uh, and so one of the main themes is unity and how through Christ, uh, the divisions that were once there before uh, shouldn't exist anymore. So it's a lot of just telling people, casting a vision for people to uh, get along, and this is how you get along. There's a lot of identity type stuff, uh, a lot of the language of this is what a church is, and this is what a, a body is, and uh, uh, all that kind of stuff kind of flows in. So unity, uh, body, church, uh, identity, I think all those things are, are wonderful things that the, the book of Ephesians teaches us. And things we need right now. I was going to say a book about <laughs> cultural fighting and unity. And I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Maybe we should pick something else that doesn't. Yeah. Really... <laughs> Not relevant. Maybe all. something <laughs> applicable. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the theme verse that we're doing mm -hmm. is from Ephesians, obviously, but 
It's Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. It says, equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What about this verse, if anything, like specifically resonates with you? No, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, usually, especially as a new pastor, I often think of this as this little section, that Ephesians 4 section is is like my go-to for what is my philosophy of ministry? Like, what is my role as a church leader? Uh, probably, it's one of three places where Paul uses that uh, body metaphor uh, that he talks about, you know, the group of believers or all of Christ's followers as as a body. Uh, and I love here that in, in this section, he's again, casting a vision. He's casting a vision that look at, as believers, we're dependent upon each other. Uh, we're connected to each other. We need each other. And really says that uh, somewhat in proportion to our, our maturity is linked to how connected we are with each other. So, uh, we're going to, if we, if we don't learn to value each other and we don't learn to serve each other and to uh, get along and to be unified, then we're going to stay immature. But uh, if we want to grow up, if we want to have Christ as our head, as we want to become mature, then, then uh, we have to recognize that we were designed to be dependent, to be connected, and we have to learn how to embrace all that in order to grow up. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting excited. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> I good. I see what God's going to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out with, like we said, with that larger group, but I think it'll be good. Yeah. Just Very excited people. to try out an inductive bio study with 400 people. We'll see what that looks <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last question for you. As someone who's new to the Houston area and a new Texan, oh. have you yet been converted into the cult of Whataburger? And mm. if so, why can you get people excited about it so they can come to Houston for summer? Uh, you know, summer will be good, but they can go to Whataburger during lunch and get the experience. Oh, man. There's, uh, there's no good answer here. It's such a polarizing, divisive question. Uh, I would say, uh, boy, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> I would say I have not had a bad Whataburger experience yet. There you go. How about that? <laughs> yeah. That's my uh, that's my political answer to your question. There you go. <laughs> It'll provide unity, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> It'll provide unity. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There are no longer Whataburgers and non-Whataburgers. There's only those who are one in Christ Jesus. There you go. Amen. Okay. Amen. Yeah, that's a good way to end it. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, thanks, Josh, for joining us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. And we'll, we'll see, see you in you December. In, in December. You yep. Bye.